1: Welcome back everyone to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a special guest from the East Coast, Massachusetts. He was doing the nine to five as an engineer for, for the longest time. And then the comfortableness of that, but just wanting something more and started finding himself into real estate, jumped into the agent side like a lot of us do. And got his feet wet with that. But then within just three years, was able to pick up several multifamily deals, do several fix and flips as well, build out a strong team. And what's cool now is the creative strategies that he's utilized along the way, but also, which I'm I'm a big fan of, obviously, utilizing credit and so forth, but also has 25 plus doors at this point when it comes down to the burst strategy, which can obviously turn into some awesome passive income and mailbox money to be able to start building up that generational wealth. So. Very excited to have you on today, Dom. How are you,
0: man? Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well.
1: Nice. I appreciate you for jumping on. So for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, more about your story, can you just give the viewers or listeners just more in detail about your story, your situation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 28 years old. I'm in the Western Massachusetts area. Was a degreed pipeline engineer for a large Fortune 500 company for seven years. Was just about to put in my notice and then COVID-19 hit. So had a little uh, bonus working from home and kind of living you know, the double life over the last year. But basically over the last three years, I decided that wasn't for me and I wanted to chase some other dreams. So got my real estate license, started doing transactional work, picked up my first duplex, which I'm actually filming from today because I love living for free. And now have a great business partner, Luke Giusto, who we started two companies, Naples Realty Group, which is our brokerage, been formed for under a year and just hit 15 agents actually today and and still scaling. And then Naples Homebuyers, which is our fix and flip company, where we focus on flipping properties, utilizing the burst strategy to build a passive portfolio, and then also do buy and holds. Biggest thing that, you know, I want to give back to everyone with just, you know, listening to podcasts for years to make that big jump is showing how to take action, sharing some creative ways that I was able to scale quickly by using other people's money or seller financing. And then putting a big, you know, distinction on net profit per door and how that's more important than unit count. I can share some financials later just because I'm the finance guy, basically. And that's pretty much all I do is look at that stuff and can really share to people how less is more and how that allows you to scale. So that's my story. And, you know, just happy to have a great conversation about it.
1: Yeah, man. No, I love it. I appreciate it. That's definitely the 30,000 foot view. You touched on so many different moving pieces. I love how you talked about Basically, the action part, you know, the action driven. You must have read the book. And I think it's really powerful because at the end of the day, it's like you got to take action on one of these things. And obviously, you found your passion within real estate. So the Burr strategy, we do that as well. We love it. What gravitated you towards real estate in the first place? Or, you know, one of these strategies that you actually decided to pick? Because, you know, you could have jumped into. A mobile home parks, you know, or flipping lands, you know, like, so, so why the strategies that you've
0: picked? Yeah. So honestly, at first didn't ever really expect to be here. Got a real estate license to start making some money on the side, had a family member with a small brokerage. So, you know, figured I could help friends and family make some money and pay off my student loans was, you know, the first thing. And Running around and kind of you know showing multifamilies got me thinking. Hey, you know I could you know figured out I could get into one for three and a half percent down, live for free. Started crunching some numbers. So really had no intention of being like a quote investor. It was more just hey I don't want to be check to check and strapped if I get into this you know big single family by myself and that. So that's what kind of led the R and D phase where then I started listening to bigger podcasts. All these other podcasts, reading every single book. And then I found myself in the classic uh, analysis paralysis, basically, because at heart I am a nerd. So, you know, the spreadsheets were literally holding me back. I was walking on deals because it wasn't lighting up green over like, you know, 0.1 on a cap rate, which really doesn't mean much on a two family, anyways. So that sidelined me for years or probably like two years. And then once I just dove in and met the right people and had some. You know, motivation. It was just off to the races.
1: That's such a great talking point right there by itself, just for the simple fact of how many people do you probably run into on a daily basis, just like myself, that they want to get started into real estate, but they might be just over complicating it themselves and prolonging the process, and just you know, years are going by. So, what was that trajectory like? What was that changing pivotal point that helped you? either get the confidence or the boldness or just like the, Hey, I don't care. I'm just going to move forward with this instead of looking at these damn spreadsheets every day.
0: Honestly, I don't know if it was like one point, it just kind of got to the point where, you know, I was looking at deals, walking on deals, watching other people, you know, grab the deal, be successful with them. And then I really had to think, you know, I'm at the time, super conservative, always, you know, erring on the side of caution and, Actually, my business partner is I could definitely attribute a lot of my new risk tolerance to him because he's a guy who's like, let's just buy it and figure it out. And then I'm like, well, let's just figure it out and buy it. So I think the, <laughs> the truth is definitely somewhere in the middle. But just, you know, investing obviously it's never a hundred percent sure. So once I kind of got over that and realized, you know, I have like the liquidity to to weather a storm kind of thing, especially on the first one. I mean, you don't have too much risk when you're putting little money down and you know, that sort of scenario. So wasn't like a huge catalyst or a huge event that did it. It was just kind of a compounding effect of missing out on deals, running numbers, and really having some FOMO, I guess, of getting involved.
1: Yeah, that's so good. I know for me personally, I was studying for two years and I was submitting offers the whole time, but I was going against real investors with all cash, no contingencies, and I couldn't keep up with trying to get FHA financing out here in San Diego. It's just, uh, no. <laughs> you know, it's never going to happen. I, I'm the guy now that I go $50,000 hard closing five days and no contingencies, all cash. So yep. I already know it's just a different market. But I got to the point, I was like fed up. Two years went by, we submitted 35 plus offers, kept on getting rejected. And I was just like, and I was assuming one day I'm going to fail or mess up in real estate, but I need the learning curve. I need to get started. So I was just like... I'm going to start submitting on offers that don't even make sense, which it got crazy, but I just got aggressive with it, right? I was fed up. So I started looking in other states. But for you, it's always been in your backyard, correct, of Western Mass.,
0: Yeah, everything we're focused on now is within probably one hour of home. And it's, you know, for no reason other than our resources are here. We know the market, we're confident. Everyone says there's a shortage of deals, but we feel, you know, once you figure out the marketing, there's actually a surplus of deals. And, you know, we go back and forth from being, is money the problem or deals the problem? We'll find a bunch of money and then we'll have too many deals. And it's a great problem to have in either direction. I mean, before we thought it was impossible to to raise money. And then once we kind of figured that element out and met the right resources, you know, we're able to not worry about that piece and really just focus on the deals as we know that's the whole game. So.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And it's funny, like, especially during these crazy times that we're in the last year or so, I feel like there's so many other people that are stepping out because they're scared or the market or all this other, you know, thing. So I feel like there's almost more and more deals now, even though there's such a little inventory, they say.
0: Yeah. Um, more motivation, I would say. Definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah. So when it comes down to these initial first projects, do you mind just diving into the numbers, what it looked like, time frame, all that fun stuff? And did you have a partner at that time or was it just you getting started?
0: The first three I did on my own, and then everything else since has been with a partner. And that's like one key thing I wanted to say too, you know, for people that are trying to do it themselves. Like, looking at the volume of stuff we have going on now would be pretty impossible to do on, you know, your own. And basically, my like synergy with my partner, Luke, is basically, you know, he's running like the rehab side, dealing with the contractors, had a lot of existing relationships since he was in real estate longer than I was. And then what I bring to the table is, uh, you know, strong financial background, you know, running the back end of the business, uh, lead generation, advertising, that sort of stuff. And those are really the left hand and the right hand to the business. And you really need both done correctly to, you know, keep making money and keep growing. So the first one was definitely the hardest. That was, you know, sidelines to, you know, starting match, I guess that was probably a year and a half process. And I was an agent at the time. So representing myself on MLS and, you know, pretty much was just getting outbid because I was being like, unrealistically conservative, you know, coming in, in a market where, you know, maybe you get five grand off and trying to get 50 because of, you know, whatever thing. So Once I figured out that wasn't the way, especially armed, locked and loaded with an FHA loan, which is hard enough to close, you know, started just really networking with other agents, you know, being creative and looking on Craigslist every day, looking on Facebook, messaging people, like being very aggressive on public record and pretty much was doing that while I was working full time as my job, you know, at the nine to five. So pretty much was just doing that all day. First deal though just to jump into it owner occupied duplex purchase price 230 built in the 1980s so didn't really need much besides minor just cosmetics and then the unit I was moving into made it you know something that I wanted to be long term so blew out some walls granite the whole nine but mortgage that, I think was around 1600 bucks all in one unit rented for 1350 at the time in 2018 Market rent now is about 1550 to 16. Like I said, I'm still in the other unit as we speak. So, you know, there would be a net profit of, you know, 1150 to 1200 at those margins, if I were to move out right now, and making it like extremely strong triple digit ROI based on, you know, the 8500 bucks it costs to get the deal. So you just can't beat that. You know, there's no stock. I always tell people you can put eight grand on and make 1200 a month on and then get appreciation. So actually today, a duplex down the road just got listed for 350. So bought this at 230. We'll say the total basis is 250. So there's, you know, 100K of gain. And, you know, on the debt, there's, you know, 120K of equity as we sit now. So that's kind of what got me thinking to those margins compared to the classic, you know, 150 or 200 a door. It's like, you can own 10 to 12 high touch properties 15 minutes from here. And I met more on one duplex. And that's like basically what started our model, you know, on the burring and getting, you know, higher end tenants and rents because on the admin side, uh, management side, which no one really likes talking about, that's where you really save too. Oh
1: yeah. So is that what you're doing? You're doing self-management?
0: So no self-management anymore. We've actually, as of August 1st, we moved our portfolio to a third party. Basically, our value add is buying always distressed either with the rents and or condition, you know, stabilizing, adding value, refinancing. Obviously that's burr. And then at that point, rolling it over to, you know, property manager at a discounted rate, because it's essentially, you know, rent collection and accounting is what we're looking to not deal with. CapEx and maintenance is almost zero after the, If you get through the first month, like, you know, it's either day one, if something didn't get like tied out, you know, at the final walkthrough and like, we got to go like repair something. But normally after one month of the burr, you know, live in, then we haven't knocked on wood heard like anything in a year. So it's been awesome.
1: Yeah. And it's normally like that, especially, you know, when it comes down to how big a remodel you're doing, if it gets very intensive, then you're making this thing brand new, you know, everything's getting touched.
0: Yeah. Which we definitely prefer to do. I mean, we're even kind of like sometimes now, not even just looking at the spreadsheet and we're just looking at stuff like we're here, permits are open, let's just do everything and just close it out and hold it for a decade. And it's like, you know, we might shave a few percentage off long-term, but We're just looking at it, you know, get it done once, bake it in, fully depreciate, tie out, you know, the accounting side, move it to a new entity done. So that's kind of what we're doing.
1: I love it. So let's talk about some learning curves for a second. And then I do want to cover what you guys are looking for within your projects. Is there anything in particular that makes it a deal breaker or something that, you know, you're really shooting for to make it work?
0: as far as a deal breaker, that's a tough one to answer just because I mean, it is like a numbers game, but we're really looking for, you know, bigger, very distressed properties that we can add tremendous value to just because on our experience of doing stuff where it's like a light value add, you're typically paying a little more and then it's harder to hit that LTV and get a lot of your money out. So, you know, our most successful burr so far was like, bought condemned, you know, fire damage, homeless people, you know, breaking in, living in there, like literally no utilities, like one foot of water in the basement. And I mean that one you could write the Burr book on because our margins don't even make any sense. They're just that good. And you know, after doing that compared to some like stuff where we're going and paint and sand and like put granite in it, especially with the appraisers and the banks like tightening up right now. It's hard to make that case that you really added value, even though you did when you look at income approach and obviously, you know, net income that you're getting, but you know, you have to kind of know that depending on the bank and stuff, they're going to be looking at comps.
1: Yeah. Before you dive into learning curves, have you had any issues with appraisals in the past with your Burr properties? I personally have with like properties over in Ohio.
0: Yeah. So that's the biggest thing I would say we're pretty good at. And we've been really militant with is like making sure like that's going to happen. I would say like we had to fish for some new relationships at first based on, you know, banks wanting you to hold the property, you know, on private money longer than needed because they have seasoning requirements. So that's one thing that's like that's pure relationship based. And we we're able to kind of pierce that by building a very reputable, you know, brand and I guess networking and leveraging our, you know, splash in the marketplace so far and finding a partner that wanted to be affiliated with us. So yeah, those parts, especially when COVID hit. I mean, we're buying stuff before COVID hit, thinking we can get an eighty percent on a refi, and then they want to do seventy. So, like that can, you know, really impact stuff. But to answer your question, we've been pretty lucky, and the only time we've had one appraisal come in low, we're doing two refis at once, and the other came in so high that like the net kind of like you know we got more out of one than we wanted and less out of one. So globally, you know, cash flow and. Cash pulled out of the deal it was like a break-even, so you know, fortunate there, and that really wasn't too much of a surprise. That that specific deal, we just literally bought something turnkey cash and then turned around and, you know, just tried to get all our money out basically, which we ended up doing.
1: Yeah, I've had one in particular that I bought it for twenty thousand, a triplex over in Ohio, beat up, you know, really, really messed up, had a old drug related stuff. There's like shotgun shells and holes in the side of the house, so really crazy stuff. But we did a full renovation on it. The only thing we didn't change was the roof. And we got it appraised like six months later, and it was just a horrible appraisal. and they increased it to forty thousand. I, I don't even know, just because they saw it was you know, twenty thousand originally for the purchase. and, Like we were showing them comps and everything, but we finally got another appraisal done right afterwards a couple months later with a different bank and I came back at 135. So those were the numbers that we were looking for, you know, so it was just one of those crazy things of having, if you get 10 different appraisals, you could potentially get like 10 different numbers because it's all just somebody's opinion. It should be related to the data behind it. But I know other friends of mine that have been screwed over. Depends on the market, I guess, as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, coming back at 40 versus one thirty, it's like, that's way off. But I mean, I normally just, we kind of go into it knowing, Hey, I mean, it could be plus or minus 10% in either direction, depending on, you know, how this individual woke up feeling and what the weather's looking like and what day it is. But you know, our philosophy too, with the burning, I mean, at the end of the day, even if, you know, we have five or 10% stuck in it, which luckily we really haven't had that happen a lot, you know, you're five or 10% down in a, fully ran through property, market rents are there, no CapEx, no maintenance. So it's like, you can't be too mad at that because your return is still outrageous. And long-term you have like a solid asset. And, you know, for us, just like the value of being able to put our own tenants in and stuff is is game-changing. And, you know, in our market, what we're doing right now, our average net profit per door is between five and 650. So 500 to 650 net per door which is, is like double or triple, basically like what most of the books say. And yeah. our tenants, you know, are either six-figure earners or, you know, between roommates of that income level. So, you know, credits are great, income is great, properties are great. These are places that, you know, are nicer than where I live sometimes after we go through them. And yeah. for us, that's kind of a less is more mentality. And how we came up with that actually was like, in the earlier days of taking action, when I hadn't even done anything, I was hitting up all the landlords and property managers in the area asking to just work for free. And I was lucky enough to be invited into someone's business that had, I think, 200 units at the time self-manage and essentially first came in and said, hey, like, you know, my engineering role is uh, safety, efficiency, compliance, and finance. Like I build systems, I look at money and I'm a project manager. So like, kind of got it all down, I can like audit your operation and see if we can streamline anything or or whatever. And long story short, looking at this individual's portfolio, there was half that I would consider low touch, you know, burr-ish type performing properties that every month just delivered money, one to two work orders a month across the hundred units. And then in a different zip code within 15 minutes away, you know, 10 work orders in coming in a day, You know, rent collections are at 70%, vacancies at 15 to 20, like literally not pro forma, you know? So it's like like breaking it over there.
1: 20 rule of like, hey, the the shit ones are over here. Like, let's get rid of them.
0: Yeah. That was eye opening, you know, because those are the deals that are getting tossed around. Pro forma looks good, you know? And that's where I really learned it's like, less is more. And just looking at those two portfolios, you know, 100 stabilized low touch properties at like a six to eight cap are blowing the doors off pro forma on, you know, 10 to 14 caps that are high touch and, you know, not in court, barely, you know, went from Needing just self-managing while having a full-time job to doubling the portfolio with the higher touch stuff and needing like two full-time people essentially sucking the entire profit away. And, you know, looking at that operation, it's like you're maintaining this thing that can only bring you down. So that's kind of where I totally refocused and said, you know, it's not even that much about the spreadsheet at the end of the day. Like, just take a look around at the neighborhood, the property, it's like almost simple, you know? And it's like, now it's funny. I used to have these spreadsheets. I I was ready to patent them. They're incredible, but they're useless. You know, like now I'm looking at deals. I'm using this, you know, like two seconds, boom, 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 like that. You know, that's exactly what we want. And it's kind of funny. I never thought I would have went that route, but yeah.
1: we are. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I think that is a key point. Like I know so many people that overcomplicate it when they don't even have it in, in contract yet. I'm like, dude, do not spend more than like 15, 20 minutes on this deal of your due diligence in the beginning until you lock it up in contract, you know, right. because you're going to submit, especially in a hot market and you're brand new. You don't have the credibility yet. You don't have like the negotiating power, like all these different things. So lock it up in contract, have a couple contingencies in there, get your foot in the door. Once you're in there, then go ham, you know, like spend all the time you want, get the contractors, the bids, everything.
0: Um, Yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah, that's good. I love it. I think you dropped like one of the most probably important, like the special sauce, right? When you mentioned the simple fact of like, you realize you're brand new, you didn't have the confidence or you didn't have the skills yet, you wanted to get more hands on. So you found people within your area that had all the doors, you know, like that had more than enough so you can jump in. And obviously, you could help them out, which is great. I should probably, you know, pay you to get into my uh, business for a second and see uh, what you can (laughs) engineer on with that. But honestly, besides that, like just getting that experience and the know how of like, hey, this is, what I'll take from this individual of of knowledge of what they're doing. Right. And then there's a couple of things that they're definitely doing wrong that I'm going to do differently, you know, which is awesome. Yeah. Is that what you would recommend for other people out there getting started?
0: No, definitely. And you got to think outside the box, right? Cause like at the time when I'm like 23, 20 or probably yeah, 23, 24 years old. I mean, these people are multimillionaires. They're busy. They're running businesses. Like they don't care at the end of the day. So like my thing is like, how do I provide like tremendous value to this person for as little time as possible? Uh, I was just, my pitch was just like, give me a username, give me the permissions that you want in here. Let me go in and just let me present you something, you know, just let me do something. And, you know, you can figure out quick, like, you know, in your market, like what are people using? What are they doing? All that stuff. And just figure out how to provide value. Like a lot of these people, unless they're very established and they want to mentor and they want to give back, you know, they'll meet you for coffee here or there, a drink or whatever it is. But like, I found quickly, like that wasn't being effective. So I kind of had to just like cut to the chase and just say, Hey, like, here's what I'm at. I'm not just like some like kid trying to do this. Like I'm a degreed professional. I have real skill sets. Like I'm on a high six figure salary in my early twenties, like, you know, I can provide value to your business somehow just talk to me. And yeah. like being a little more blunt, it, squeaky wheel gets the oil, you know, like, especially now that real estate became so bougie in the past, like couple of years, everyone wants to do it. It's like, yeah. you got to stand out and you got to be direct and you just got to be quick. Like none of these people, especially if they're you know, really successful, even have time to like text or call you. And that's just I'm finding myself now, like, I don't even want to look at my phone based on yeah. like the 15 minutes here, what's going on. And, you know, I'm not even a player. So it's, you yeah. know, just to put in scale, that's, that's how it is right now. I couldn't
1: agree more. And I think it's that personality type that you're you're basically describing, like cut to the chase, get straight to it. And even though you were like raised on the analytical side or like the spreadsheets and everything, you came into the game like that like you mentioned, you quickly almost are transitioning into more of like, you know, pen and paper really quick, analyze a deal and keep it moving. And a lot of these guys that, you know, basically for any new person out there that wants to take this approach, and I do highly recommend it. It was very successful for Dom for adding value first, getting into somebody's business and really helping them out and learning along the way is cut to the chase, get straight to the point. Because that whole taking people out to coffee, for the right person, it might work. I don't discount it, but everybody's so busy nowadays in everyday life, not just real estate, but whatever it may be. And the simple fact is, if they do have successful businesses, they're probably overwhelmed and have other things going on because it isn't necessarily systemized properly. So if you want to get yeah. in there, help and add value, but cut to the chase and bring that value and don't take as much time from that individual as possible. I think
0: that's great to Yes. Know. Some other ideas too, just because that was something that was really hard for me. And it's not like you do it in a day, you don't just like go on Facebook and message someone and whatever. Like, if you're a real estate agent, no. (laughs) Don't
1: do that. Please don't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, thinking just even like little stuff, right? Like the the little details, like in my business and life, are the most painstaking now, like getting little things done. So figuring out a way, like if you're a real estate agent, like a licensed real estate agent, you just want to get into investing and you know there's some players or whatever. I mean, You have to like invest either time or money. I mean, I remember hitting people up saying, I'll list your property for free when you have a flip or something and I'll pay you. Like, what's it going to take? Just give me one. And all I want in return is just like, you know, help me out. Tell me what to do, steer me in the right direction. Like, you know, I would be hard pressed right now if someone approached me saying, "Hey, I'll pay you 500 bucks to list your flip I wouldn't do it. You know, (laughs) like, I mean, how do you ignore that? You know? And we're all hustlers and a lot of these guys are grinders and hustlers so like they actually like if you're too coy they're not going to take you seriously and you know being a little bit direct into the point and adding value will get their attention and maybe cultivate a relationship in the early stages so definitely that's what I did I was super creative and did a bunch of random stuff for people and all it took was one and then once your buddies with one it's just like It opens up the doors, you know, then you get a referral, then you meet someone, then you can drop someone's name, say I'll actually work for this person. And then all of a sudden you're validated overnight and you didn't even do anything. Yeah. You know,
1: those are so good tips. I love that for anybody out there listening, you definitely want to rewind this for a second and play that back because that will definitely help anybody just getting started. If you feel lost, confused, you know, you don't have enough resources or you just don't know what to do next. That's what you do. And that will literally make that Pivotal change that you need to get you get the ball moving, right? So that will help out tremendously. I love it. So I know we just went down like a rabbit hole of question after question, but I do want to go back to learning curves. Anything that you personally have like gone through in the beginning or struggled with uh, that you come out on top on or that you realize at this point, like, hey, I'm not going to make that mistake again.
0: So I've been fortunate to not have like any like monster mistakes or anything, but learning curve wise spent a lot of money and time and, you know, that sort of stuff just in the wrong way, you know, marketing wise and like that sort of thing. And, you know, I was under the impression, like at first you could just kind of strike a pen and write a check and like, you'll get leads or you do whatever. And like, you know, for example, like if you came into my market right now and you're like, I want to find some motivated sellers and you just like pull a list from any of the list source and blast out some mailers, like you're not getting a call maybe you get one call, you know, like, and and that to me was like kind of mind boggling at first, because like, we're running ads, we're like spending 1000s and this and that. And it didn't really mean anything. And what we connected was like the power of building a brand first validates that mailer validates that ad validates that conversation. So when COVID hit, we pretty much just went all in. Like I was at a point where I was like, you know, this isn't moving fast enough. We just started like our partnership had, I think three flips under our belt. And I was like, you know, we both decided like everyone's running away. They're scared. They don't know what's going to happen. This COVID thing just came out of nowhere. And we decided to just 10 X every single thing. And we figured, you know, if the COVID thing turns out to be true, we have bigger problems than losing a lot of money because we're like in this this hollywood scenario or you know we're gonna figure it out and you know politics and all that stuff aside things are gonna level out so my partner and i that's like when we really just decided to figure it out and just invest like all of our money and then now it's just kind of been the wild west with you know we built a brand so quick you know, people are approaching us, our agent roster is growing like weekly deals are just getting brought to us. Like it's like, I don't even, we we're cracking up this morning. Like maybe we just stop marketing just see like how many deals people bring us. If we just keep going to events and, you yeah. know, doing certain like brand awareness stuff, which obviously is not what we're going to do, but, you know, thinking a little different because everyone's doing it now. And it's like every single seller appointment we're at, there's 10 other people we are competing with. So it's like, how do you actually beat them, you know? Yep. And it's it's not always just money. You know, there's the little things, the little details that matter.
1: Yeah, the standing out with your offer, making it very creative, having your personal brand, and even just the relationships that you've built over the last couple of years and showing that you can perform. That's what's always stood out for me. You know, we have some creative offers in comparison to the 20 different offers on the table for certain deals when they're on the market, you know? But we have some awesome relationships now. Even just with wholesalers, that they will send it to us first. So, just like you said, like once you build up that brand enough, we get deals on a regular basis as well, on a weekly basis that, you know, we're not taking everyone, but there's certain deals that make sense. It is good. I love it. Certain learning curves as well. I made this mistake in the beginning on my first property. I wanted to almost just over remodel it, I got more personable into it. Have you ever had that experience? Like, for example, we had a three bedroom, one bath upstairs downstairs was all open, like three different big rooms and then the kitchen. And I wanted to utilize, make an extra bedroom and a bathroom in one of the big, you know, rooms downstairs. And it wouldn't even necessarily fit with like the neighborhood, but I just got more emotionally attached to it. Have you ever had any of those?
0: Yeah, two key things. And I was actually thinking about it once like, you know, I was first answering, I was like, oh, duh, like one making the Taj Mahal where it doesn't need to be (laughs) and it's a rental property definitely did that on the first one. I mean, God, I I don't (laughs) like, you know, just like top notch granite, stuff like that, which, you know, on an investment level is funny, but definitely that was like of the first thing. And then the second thing is doing work yourself. Yeah. I held myself back so much because I mean, I'm old school. My dad's an immigrant. I mean, we literally shoulder to shoulder, like did this whole apartment, you know, like Love it. the thought of paying someone was just not even a thing, not even, you know, an not, even not even a thing, you know, yeah. and that mentality was so hard for me to get over my whole life. I mean, even though it was like a degreed engineer, MBA, all that stuff, like I kind of was always like a hustler salesman that decided to go down this hard route of college and career and then now back to like where I belong and doing work yourself is just I tell everyone and a lot of my you know our sphere just like doesn't want to do that and you know debate it but you lose so much growth by focusing on the little things that I break it down every time it's simple it's like what is the hourly rate of you know whatever trade it is and even it's yeah. like you know plumbing or HVAC or electrical I mean those are skilled trades and they cost 75 to 100 bucks an hour but once you learn how to leverage your resources and make money in business, I mean, you're losing money. If, if I spend a whole day painting this room, I mean, I could have lost out on moving two contracts or getting that something was- under agreement or, you know, even taking time to bid out a, another job and, you know, save margin there. So, you know, when you only have one deal, I get it. And you definitely need to like a rite of passage, I think like to do one or two of them. But, you know, once you do that, I really think you got to pump the brakes and, One thing too, I mean, I was getting harassed a little bit by my friends. Like I had a handyman come and unclog my sink at my own house, like six months ago. Like, and I have a snake in the basement, but I literally (laughs) like, I was like, we need more handymen. And this is how you vet them. I want to find out for a hundred bucks, not, you know, a thousand and, With property management, too, that was like the philosophical debate. Do you wait until you have a hundred unit, you know, seven figure machine and hand it off to someone you don't know? Or do you start with one duplex and lose a hundred bucks a month? So, right now, like paradigm shift, biggest mistake was keeping everything in house and the control. And I think starting small, even if it's your first flip, I mean, you know, what do you really have to lose like 10% margin or something by literally just? taking the time bidding out three to five contractors, figuring out who's who. And then now for the next one, you're able to like, you know, speed through it where the first one, I literally just did it. Me and my dad and my friends, we just did it. And then, you know, what happened on the second one, you're starting from zero, zero relationships to leverage other than sweat equity stuff. So that is key.
1: Man, I can't agree more with you. So many gold, like so much dropping bombs right there. It's so good. I remember on one flip that it wasn't a flip. We were burring the property, but I got expensive bids from three different people over in Ohio when we're in San Diego, 3000 miles away. This, this was stupid, but to paint the house. And I was like, I don't want to pay 13, $15,000 for painting a house. I was like, forget that. I'll do it myself. Right. <laughs> and it was the stupidest thing I did. Me and my girlfriend like flew over, you know, bought everything ourselves and started going to town. We didn't even get it all done in the full week's time frame because we're not professional yep. painters, you know, and, right. and we're bougie. We wanted to like take breaks left or right. So we go get food and like, you know, stupid yep. stuff. And we still had to hire somebody afterwards to come back and finish it. But that whole week that I was out there, I didn't build any new relationships. Right. And that's the thing. It's like that whole week, I could have even just spent a whole week at my place, like just making calls to find more relationships and get different bids. And it cost me time, but it cost me more money at the same time. And it's ridiculous. So very, very good. The only way to scale is to build those relationships and utilizing them at your own house instead of doing it yourself. That's the best. I love it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, just to dial that back a little bit too, I mean, it just depends what your goals are. I mean, if you're working full time, you want to do one flip a year. I mean, by all means, you know, that is what it is, but you know, I think we're on a podcast because we're trying to like scale in 10 X businesses. So yeah. if that's what you're trying to do, like I literally on principle, I brought all my tools to my office so I didn't have them at my house because I just get okay. carried away and started building stuff. I literally got like a screwdriver, like an impact on like something very minor can go wrong and I'll fix it. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's so good. It's so important though. It really is. And just like you mentioned, like on this podcast, it's all geared towards educating people, motivating them and preparing them to take action. And when we say like prepare you to take action, we don't want you to do all the work yourself. We want you to get that financial freedom and the next levels to just financial breakthroughs for for generational wealth at the end of the day like that's what i really see with each and every person that are listening for this and you know just like yourself dom all the people that are on here are all next level amazing people so really appreciate you once again for jumping on any final thoughts before we wrap this up i want to give you the chance to plug any of your contact info as well but anything that you would want to leave with the listeners
0: Yeah. So one last thing, you know, we hear it a lot and it kind of bothers me a little bit, like social media on the take action stuff. People are just like, quit your job, dive in all this stuff. And I just don't agree with that. I mean, when I did it, I literally was just doing 60, 70, 80 hour weeks for three years straight. And that's like, I always call it second shift, like hits five o'clock, second shift start. And like, Those building blocks are fundamental to doing it right. Because when I left my job, I had literally replaced my salary with rental income, not even counting transactional income from the brokerage or being an agent or flips or new births. So that didn't happen overnight. And that's like, you know, hate to break it to everyone. It's not happening overnight. And there's no secret to it. and like all these like lessons learned and jokes and stuff. I mean, you got to like actually after work, go paint a whole house until two in the morning, and just have like a mental breakdown and think you're going broke. And like, that's the kind of stuff that really, you know, no one really likes talking about the, the non bougie aspect, but like yeah. I was ready to quit so many times and discouraged and scared. And, you know, first tenants like suing me and, you know, discrimination claims and you, I mean, you name it, the, you know, therapy dogs that were fake dogs, maul the neighbor. I mean, I had all that happen on the first couple. One, because I took action and actually got into these properties and learned. And two, that would never happen if I just took so much action, got rid of my job. And at the time, the job was the strong financials, had great salary, great credit score, great W-2. Like I was the best perfect strategy you know? Right. And that's a key part too. So, I mean, you have to, I call it like engineering your edge strategy. Like you yeah. literally need to figure out what do you need to leave? And then how do you bridge that gap? Like I had like a certain unit count, a certain number I won. And then I literally just blacked out until I hit it. And then even yeah. now still like that salary, every Friday, I look at my account, like something's wrong with my account cause they forgot to wire me money and then yeah. now I'm stressed. So going through that real time, adjusting to the not getting paid thing because everything's, you know, redeployed, you know, take action, but you have to be smart. Like with the climate now, you can't just like wing it because if you're trying to burr, like you need banking relationships, you need strong financials, like you need all that stuff. You're not just going to go do this hard money deal and walk into the bank and think you're getting your money. You're going to go broke. Like that's yeah. kind of like, if you don't do it right, what could actually happen? And it's no joke. Cause these are like, you know, your credit is on the line, your savings are on the line, your reputations on the line. So like you need to be methodical and that, that shouldn't ever be overlooked.
1: Yeah. that That is so good. Uh, I couldn't agree more with you. I did the same exact thing. I had one foot in one foot out with the day job, even in a restaurant business. Like I wasn't excited. I wanted to get out sooner than later as bad as possible, but I was able to leverage that W 2 for financials to be able to get and complete the burr strategy. So I could do my cash out refinance. And kind of like the rich dad poor dad method of like waiting until your cash flow, your monthly cash flow actually exceeds your expenses. That's when I realized like the whole add of the rat race type of thing. Then it felt more mm-hmm. comfortable preparing myself to leave. And I still didn't jump out right away. I still just kept on climbing up until I got so busy on my phone on a day-to-day basis that it was interrupting the work space so i was like hey this it isn't for me anymore and that's when i could transition and and that's when you know it was a snowball effect of many many blessings but like you said like don't jump out too fast you know you can work your face off but but have one foot in one foot out have that stability and have a game plan like an actionable plan that you can be able to transition into this new phase i think it's perfect i love that
0: Yep, so that's the unfortunate truth. It takes time and a lot of effort.
1: Yeah, it's not the overnight success like you see on Instagram or anything like that. Like it will take, mm-hmm. you know, several years, five years to really be able to build up some concrete foundation. But the cool part is as long as we think it it will take a very long time, if you work really hard at it, you can be surprised with how fast you can do it. Like you've done it within three years, roughly, right?
0: Yeah. Three years. And you know, that's like the other thing too, is, I mean, the creative financing and like that kind of stuff, like all it takes is one of those. And I mean, you can literally put yourself two years ahead, just if you're saving up 20% and deploying versus getting a zero down situation that you can re-leverage and then walk with money after buying something like that is like, it's so hard to do. You got to be direct to seller. You got to be able to sell that. And if you can, it's life changing honestly that second one i did it it changed my entire trajectory from you know taking a decade to doing it in 3 years honestly so
1: yeah and that only comes when you're fully educated and confident on how to make that deal you know structure that deal and make it work understanding terms versus you know, the price and so forth and really making it work. So kudos to you for putting in the hours and the time it took to get the education while still doing the daytime job, but having a bigger vision at the end of the day. And as long as you're taking action, like we talked about, it's like constantly getting out there and doing it. Those opportunities will come your way. And that's when you can actually take action and reap the rewards, the benefits from it. So kudos to you, brother. I'm really excited, really excited just to see what the next few years look like for you what does the future look like? You know, do you have any big goals moving forward? Anything that myself or any of the listeners could do to give back to you?
0: Uh, Honestly, just supporting our brand is the biggest thing. I mean, our goals, I mean, our projections for next year, for example, are, you know, being 20 plus flips, 40 plus wholesales, 20 plus new burr units, and then 20 plus buy and holds. And just based on performance this year and the new resources we have. I mean, our team went from me and my business partner and a part-time person to basically some remote part or full-time workers supporting like our bookkeeping and other like admin functions. And then, Three acquisitions people doing, you know, probably 80 hours total together. And, you know, this is like within the last three weeks. And it's like we went from booking, you know, our normal appointment book has tripled in the last two weeks. So, like, we're real time trying to figure out, yeah. you know, we're, now we got all these fish coming in. Now we got to chop them up or whatever. So, yeah luckily we're positioned in the marketplace with some good relationships and resources that we're not going to let a dollar slip, but it is, you know, exciting. So that's where we're hoping to be next year. And, you know, right now I would just say if anyone wants to collaborate or work in the area where, you know, we're huge on networking and, you know, up and coming. So we want to see how we can provide value to other businesses and, you know, create relationships uh, where everyone can win. And, you know, right now that's everyone we deal with, you know, everyone wins like, And that's the biggest thing, because there's a lot of people out there right now that are just out for one off wins. And, you know, we want to be around for a while. So we're not always taking like the best end of the deal. We're looking long term.
1: Yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, you're definitely in the grow and growth phase right now, just grinding. So I'm very excited to hear what, you know, that turns into in the next few months, six months, year down the road, which is awesome. So we'll definitely have to have you back on and follow up. But for all the listeners out there, how can they connect with you?
0: me personally would be, you know, via email is the best. So that's Dom, D-O-M at Naples-group.com. And then obviously if you go to Naples Home Buyers or Naples Realty Group, any social media website, whatever, all that's going to funnel to my business partner, Luke and I. So, I mean, as long as you remember our brand name, you'll find us.
1: Love it. Cool. Well, you guys definitely want to reach out to Dom and show him some love. Dom, appreciate you being on here as always. A blessing a lot of gold nuggets from you. So I know the listeners are definitely going to want to run this back and take some notes on it like I have. If you guys want to connect with me, you can always do so at Instagram. It's Brandon Elliot Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you're looking for credit repair done for you services, then you can check out creditrepairmobile.com. And then if you're looking to get educated, understanding how the Lenders, banks, creditors are judging your credit, how to play the game right and be able to fix credit very quickly. I'm talking 24 hours up to 10 business days, really be able to remove anything fairly quickly and get some awesome results and then be able to boost up your score, do a mass apply, get several six figures in funding, even up to seven figures in funding. And then the last step is actually being able to put it to work and leverage it, get into real estate. We've purchased properties with credit, complete all the remodels, hard money lending with credit or even start up Walmart automation stores or Amazon stores and so forth. They're just funding your business. Then you can check out and go to apply for the mastermind group at CreditCouncilElite.com. That's CreditCouncilElite.com. And as always, would love some feedback on Ready, Set, Go, Real Estate Investing Podcast. You're hearing it first right here. appreciate all the love as always. Hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification every single Monday when the new episode is dropped and released. And leave a review. Let us know what you guys think about it. Share it out. Tag somebody in it that needs to see this. Appreciate all the love as always. Dom, you are the man. We will catch you guys next time. God bless.
0: Thanks so much. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.